The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to another Rebel Alliance Media podcast. As always, we got Poots and P Nate in the studio, along with the unsung hero Dave. I like now that we're thro- we're th- we're shouting that out because I feel like for too long people thought it was just you and me. Yeah, but it's never been no just idea. you and me. They they had no idea that you and I would have floundered and given up long ago <laughs> without the help of our unsung hero. The pyramid of the rebels really starts with Dave at the top, yeah. and then us as the branches underneath, and really those branches are like you, and then there's a branch to be down. <laughs> I'm just playing. The truth is, anybody can do what we do. Not everybody can do what Dave does. Half the time, I'm fairly calm, and he just edits things I say. Yeah. And then just like, oh, okay, that yeah. sounds better than I what I said. I sounded a lot smarter after I heard the recording, but that's because Dave edited out all the stupid things I said. <laughs> he, just, he just played somebody else and made it my voice? Yeah, that It sound great. That's real. <laughs> this is what we talk about when people are not listening to us. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff we do. Yeah, we make fun of each other. <laughs> and another thing that we do sometimes, I don't know if you guys know this about Pnate. I'm throwing a little bit of Pnate knowledge at you here. Sometimes he hums. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so I you, yes, that, this is true. Me. This is true. So as we were sitting here before, you just sitting here and you just hum this tune. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, know why Jurassic Park theme was in my head, but sometimes I get caught humming their Jurassic Park theme. That's true. It's, I don't know why. It's a great movie. It, it is a good movie, but it's not like I'm thinking about the movie. It just, it's a catchy tune. When I don't was the last time you watched Jurassic Park? Ooh, uh, I must have been a kid. Seriously? Like, probably when it just came out. Like I, I, I haven't gone back and watched it. No. It's not on Netflix. Why would I see it? How could I see it? I think I think the I new one's DVDs. on Netflix. Yeah, I know. You told me to watch it, and I haven't. It's it's not as good as the original. It's got Pratt in it, right? Chris Pratt. Yeah, I really like Chris Pratt. I know though. you do. You got a, you got a man crush on him. It's all right. You know what it is? I think I just like people generally with the name Chris. That's fair. Maybe because I, I never I get called Chris, so <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah. wouldn't it be nice if people called me Chris? Well, and, and all the Chris's in Hollywood, it seems like they're Chris P as well, and they're just doing it better than I am. Mm. Like it's Chris that's Pine, a, mm, that's Chris Pratt, yeah, that's unfortunate. And then there's Chris Poots, the three <laughs> big Chris's in the world, aka Pooty. Pooty. But nobody knows my first name's Chris. No. I bet you there's. I bet you at least one third of our listeners right now didn't know that was my first name. Probably. They thought yeah. I was a Brazilian comment, soccer player. Comment on this <laughs> post if you did not know that Pootie's first name was Chris. I won't say who it was, but we've been at Crossroads, what, four and a half years, five yep. years? Yeah. Somebody within the last six months came to me and was like, I always just thought your name was just Pootie. <laughs> like, they didn't know that I <laughs> like had, like... your parents like, actually just named you Pootie. <laughs> like, that was my first name. Yikes. And that it was like a longer name that was like some different language that you guys had shortened. And then I had a different last name because they were trying to put something in my mail slot and didn't know what my name was. 
I'm not even kidding. That's is a true Poots story. his last name? <laughs> Pooty Poots? That's real? <laughs> this is a real thing? Poor kid. Oh, uh, that's funny. Anyway. Yeah, he must have got made fun of. That's too bad. We are the Rebel Alliance Media, and you can find us at rebelalliancemedia.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places, and you can rate and record us on whatever wonderful listening platform you are listening to this on, whether that be iTunes or Google Play or a podcast catcher of any kind. Uh, we are also proud members of the Berean Media Network. Uh, this is a network of four podcasts, uh, including ourselves, The Two Thieves, The Layman's Cup, and The Front Pew Podcast. Uh, all of those are part of the Berean Media Network, and you should check us out on facebook.com slash Berean Media Network. They're all putting out awesome, gospel-centered, Christ-centered, God-glorifying content, and we would recommend their podcasts to anyone who's listening. What do you got for us for Rebel News today, uh, Chris? Pooty? Pooty Chris? Pooty Poots? <laughs> now, now you don't know what to call me. <laughs> no, I don't. So this one, this one I think is quite funny, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. So in Glasgow, Scotland, yep. the Pride Parade, so they're like, you know, Pride Celebration, banned drag queens, so get this, out of fear that they will offend trans people. Let that sink in for a moment. So this is what it looks like when people start eating each other. <laughs> and that was trouble news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I actually, I love that. That, that is one of the best pieces of rebel news that I've heard in a long time. So I love that for a lot of reasons, because, um, if any of you have ever read, uh, empires of dirt by, uh, Douglas Wilson, uh, he talks about how the, um, the, the current culture that uh, culture of the West is a house of cards and it's it's ready to collapse. And I think that this is one of the areas where it's going to collapse. So I've, we've often said on this program that we think um, one of the areas that'll start to collapse is when the transgender uh, stuff really infiltrates starts infiltrating professional sports, right? When you when you, like all it's going to take is you know five, six foot eight dudes, to join the WNBA and dominate, and that'll be the end of that. I've often said that you know just just five like you know uh, high school Christian students should go and, and say that they identify as women and just just run their high school basketball like circuit and just dominate to the point where you know get scholarships. Yeah, the whole yards. thing. Like, and uh, and so that's one of the areas where the 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 narrative, if you will, of the progressive left is is starting to crumble. And and what you just said is another. So now you have the um, the trans community eating the drag queen community, and it's not going to be that long before you know we're already starting to see some friction between um, you know the the pro choice movements. And the uh, the feminism movements, because uh, in a lot of countries around the world, people are starting to have um, abortions based on the gender of their their child. So you have the pro-choice uh, group advocating that abortion is is fine; it's the woman's right to choose. But then the moment that a woman chooses to abort a woman uh, uh, because she's female, now they want to start putting limitations on. So you, so you're seeing where these competing worldviews are starting to collide. So I love it. I love it. I love it when the progressive left starts eating each other like this. So so just read that headline one more time. Okay, hold on. Let me get it back. So in Glasgow, Scotland, 
the Pride Parade bans drag queens out of fear that they will offend trans people. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I, I, I mean, I just think that's that's awesome. And I think as Christians, one of the things that we ought to be praying for is that the uh, the the competing worldviews of the progressive left start to collide like this because the minute you see them starting, so now they're not united against a common enemy, right? Christianity. <laughs> now they're actually beginning to turn in on one another. And I think that's that's nothing but great for us. Yeah, it's, it's almost like one of those things. We, we always think we have to be the ones to topple the house of cards. And it's, we don't. We, we can almost just watch them play out. Like once they start taking, like we, we say this all the time, no half measures. Once they start taking out the half measures in their beliefs and they start playing these things out to their fullest, which is the natural yep. way this goes because that's how people work. It can't stand because these these doctrines that they believe, these things that they believe can't work themselves out to their full extent because they're not compatible with even each other right so um i think it was greg bonson who said if you give an atheist enough rope he'll hang himself um right and and he's saying that saying their worldview just doesn't make sense and i think that's true with with any worldview that's outside of the christian worldview because you give them enough rope they're going to hang themselves because their worldview isn't true it doesn't actually make sense of the world around them and so you see that um as the progressive left starts eating each other so Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's to be honest, this, that the whole thing ties very nicely into what we're talking about today, which is something we, we talk about all the time. Yeah, we, we never, we get a lot of questions, but we never get a chance to really delve into it. So we decided today, heck it's time. Let's, let's, let's unpack this issue for everyone. So there's no questions about what we're saying and what we believe. If you haven't figured it out yet, we're talking about the myth of neutrality. Yeah. So we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to dig into that topic. Sounds good. You may- Rebel Alliance podcast is about discipleship, bringing the gospel message about how to interact in a biblical way with your family, friends, co-workers, and your culture. Would you like to be a part of this? Rebel Alliance Media is looking for financial sponsors. A one-time gift, a monthly donation, whatever you like. Contact the Rebels at info at rebelalliancemedia.com. That's info at rebelalliancemedia.com. Welcome back. Uh, we are going to delve into our topic here, which is uh, the myth of neutrality. We're still in the truth apocalypse here, and uh, we think that one of the lies that the church has bought into is the idea that there is new- neutrality. There's neutrality in the culture. There's neutrality in education. There's neutrality in um, politics. There's neutrality anywhere. 
And so we're going to actually just start by reading a couple of verses that make it very clear that this is what Jesus thought and Jesus taught. And then we'll kind of um, uh, riff off of that. So why don't you start? You're in Matthew chapter 12. Yeah, I'm going to start in verse 25. Okay, go for it. Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if by the spirit of God that I have cast out demons, then it is the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds up the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Okay, so uh, we all know the context here. The the context is when uh, Jesus had um, healed the demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute, and the Pharisees accused him of casting out that demon by the power of Satan. And then he, Jesus tells the story, which um, it's, a, it's a parable, and it's not actually Jesus giving you instructions on how to break into somebody's house and steal their, their stuff. Um, this, is, uh, this is a parable, and it's about Satan and his kingdom being plundered by, by Christ. So the idea here is that Satan is the strong man, and what, what Jesus is telling the story of is, is why he's come into the world. Um, first John tells us that he came into the world to destroy the works of, of the devil. And so, um, here is Jesus saying, I've come into the world. I've bound up the strong man who owns this stuff and I've bound him up. In other words, he's bound him up on the cross. When, when Jesus dies on the cross, that's the work that he's doing here and left the doors and windows to his house open for the Christians to plunder. That's kind of the big story here. But so this is a story about kingdoms and it's a story about Christ's kingdom overcoming Satan's kingdom and Satan's kingdom, which is his house here, being plundered. And, uh, and so then he's, he's, he's essentially what he's saying is that there's only two options here. There's only two kingdoms. There's Satan's kingdom and there's my kingdom and my kingdom is plundering Satan's kingdom. And, and he, he illustrates that by ending with whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters. In other words, there's, there's only two sides here. You're with me or you're against me, right? This is what Anakin Skywalker yelled at Obi-Wan Kenobi right before they had their battle on Mustafar. Great reference. <laughs> Great reference. But this is what this is what Jesus is saying, right? Whoever is not with me is against me, and and he's he's pointing at the fact that there are two kingdoms, Satan's and his. There's no neutrality. There's nobody who's not part of one of these uh, armies. There's only two armies. You're either with him or against him. Yeah. There's no Switzerland in in the scripture. There's no. There's no. <laughs> nice. Well, I, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a joke, but yeah. I mean, there isn't a, right. there isn't an option for. I'm going to be on both sides. There's no gray Jedi in the scene. There's yep. nobody who's balancing both. You're either fully in one kingdom or you're fully in the other. That's right. And even if you, even if you don't realize that you're in the kingdoms, you're in one or the other. Yeah. And you like, so there is no, like we say, there is, there is a myth. There's, it's an yep. illusion that there can be a neutral ground here. There is no safe zone. Yeah, that's right. Um, another story that comes to mind just before we jump over to John three is in John eight, when, uh, when Jesus says, you know, 
uh, you, th- you think you're of your father, you know, the, the Pharisees basically say, you know, Abraham's our father. He says, no, Abraham's not your father. God is our father. No, God is not your father. And he says, you're of your father, the devil, right? So there's those of us who are children of God, and then there's children of Satan, right? Again, two kingdoms. You're, you're one or the other. So then we're going to jump over to John 3, and John uh, 3.16, of course, is the verse everybody knows. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then there's the, the post verse right after that very few people know, and that is, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Then he goes on to say, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he is not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. So again, you either are in the light and therefore hate darkness, or you're in darkness and therefore you hate light. And it's from here, I think it's in Colossians 1, uh, when Paul goes on to talk about how uh, he says, uh, He, talking about Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And so again, two kingdoms, Satan's kingdom, God's kingdom. Those are the only areas. There's no such thing as neutrality. And I think where we've bought into the lie, the myth of neutrality, is we believe that, you know, that there are evil people out there and we only ascribe evil to like the the Hitlers of the world, right? Or the 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 witches and warlocks and, you know, the these evil Satan worshipers and then all the good guys are the Christians and then there's this whole neutral playing field and we're all battling for control of their souls kind of thing. That's not the Christian worldview. The Christian worldview is there's light and there's darkness. We were all in darkness until the light of the world came and dragged us into the kingdom of light. And so now there are kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. Those are the only two options. There's no neutrality. And and some of the ways that we've bought into this myth of neutrality, even in our language, right? We, we talk about people being on a journey of faith, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing as a journey of faith. Saul was on his way to Damascus to kill Christians and persecute the church. God met him there and converted him there. He wasn't going to Damascus to seek God, Right. Romans three tells us there's no one good. No, not one. No one seeks for God. No one understands. So even using this language, oh, you know, those are seekers or or so-and-so, my friend, he's really seeking. No, he's not. He's an enemy of God until God shines gospel light into his heart. Yeah, exactly. I th- we, we definitely buy into that lie about seeking people who are like, yeah. oh, they're on the verge of becoming a Christian. Yeah. The, what? Scripture, <laughs> scripture makes no, there's no category for that in scripture. Right. There's no almost converted there's there's either like you said there's either light or darkness there's either dead or alive that's right that's exactly right the failure the failure again we always judgment begins in the house of the lord we've we've talked about this often through the truth apocalypse the the reason we are have bought into these myths is because the church has bought into these myths right we bought into this idea and it stems from let's be honest bad theology of how we even get saved in the first place yes I choose God. Even though Jesus comes right out, I think it's in John 15, where he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. (laughs) Plain words from Jesus. Guess what? John Calvin didn't say that. Jesus did. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Exactly. We don't don't see an example in scripture of somebody who 
decided to follow. Right. There isn't one. Right. Um, we, we see that we, so we, we bought into this lie of one bad theology of how we've, how we find God. So the church is at fault for why we think there are people who are seeking and that therefore plays itself out and trying to be seeker sensitive and also when scripture just doesn't say that's even a thing, That's right. there's light and darkness and we are to put it blunt, bluntly combatants in a war between light and dark. It's not a war that doesn't have an outcome. We know the outcome, but we are, we, when we work, walk into our workplace, we're on enemy ground that we are trying to convert back to the, back to the rightful kingdom. Right. And so, and I think that's where, um, one of the conversations that we wanted to make sure we had, um, on this episode, as we talk about the myth of neutrality is, is where the rubber meets the road here. So the, um, one of the areas that we, we believe in neutrality is sort of that there's this, this, um, you know, so when we're in conversations with non-Christians, one of the things that as, as Christians we're often accused of is wanting to impose our morality. Another way you can think about this in light of what we're talking about is impose our kingdom's law on the other, the opposing kingdom, right? And, and we, would, we would talk about, there'd be probably be a lot of Christians who would say things like, well, we don't want to pass Christian laws. Like we're not, we're not going after the realm of politics, right? Because politics is neutral, Right. Well, again, there's no such thing as, as neutrality. So it's not about whether or not our political system will impose a morality. It's which morality with, will our legal system impose, right? So, I mean, think about this. I'll, I'll give a really simple illustration. So on the topic of abortion, for example, right? So you, you have probably got into conversations with people who are pro-choice and you're pro-life. And as you, as you converse, you're accused of wanting to impose your morality on them. Have you ever been accused of that, Pooty? Yes, I have. <laughs> there you go. So they would say something like, you want to impose your morality on, on women who don't hold to your morality. And who are you to impose your morality? Well, again, it's not whether or not we are going to impose a morality on somebody. It's which morality are we going to impose and on whom? So either the pro-choice person imposes their morality on the unborn child, right? Yep. Or we impose our morality on the mother, right? And so it's not whether, but which. This is... Um, uh, 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 Rush Dooney described this as an inescapable concept, right? So it's not whether, but which. An inescapable concept is something that um, you can't... Um, there's no way to wiggle out of. It's not whether, but which. So again, in, in this idea, myth of neutrality, there are two kingdoms, darkness, light. Is light going to overtake darkness or is darkness going to overtake light? Because there's no such thing as a middle ground that uh, is a place where neither light nor darkness touches. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways you can think about this. Um, you know, uh, one of the other things that Christians often get a, accused of is, you know, you just want, like, you just want a theocracy. You just want, you know, God's law. You just want um, Christian morality to reign. You want, you want, you know, government to make, uh, again, it's not whether, but which. So right now, uh, there are all kinds of laws that are being made and morality is being imposed on us. You know, listeners, put your hands up if your tax dollars go to fund abortions. And all of our North American listeners ought to, in one way or another, whether they're really highly raised or partially raised, should be raising our hands right now. So it's not whether, but which. Which morality is being imposed? Well, right now, pro-choice morality is being imposed on every single taxpayer. And so there's always 
again, there's um, there's always a there's always a god. There's always a um, a religious ideology, right? So we live in a democracy, for example, and um, so we might get accused of wanting to bring in a theocracy, right? You know, everybody worship God, the the law of the land to um, reflect God's law. But the truth is. A theocratic government, it's not, a, it's not a choice of whether or not we want a theocratic government. It's which theocratic government do we want? Like, in other words, which God do we want our government to serve? Right now, we live in a democracy. A democracy is also a theocracy, yeah. right? Like, what, um, what's the phrase? It's, it's vox populi, vox die. Is, is that the, the phrase? It, it means um, uh, the voice of the people is the voice of God. Sure. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh, it's like a, a, a line, a, a democratic line. But um, I know that Francis Schaeffer described democracy as the tyranny of the 51 percent. Right. So in, in a democracy, what is the God? The God is the people. Right. Because ultimately, whenever you get to a place where there is a final authority over top of which there is no uh, court of appeal, that's the God of your system. And so as Christians, we believe that Christ is the God of our system. What, you know, everyone else has a God that they're serving, a God that they're bringing sacrifices to. So this myth of neutrality, is just permeates everything. Yeah, exactly. We can, if we, if we haven't already proved it from, from scripture, let's, let's just think of it in how, how nonsense the idea of neutral, neutral is in the first place. So just to back up for a little bit for yeah, our listeners, yeah. um, one, the word neutral itself actually comes from a Latin tra- phrase neuter, yeah. um, which means like, you know, like a neutered male is a eunuch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You've been, you've been neutered. You're not, you're no longer what you, what you should have been. Right. And then one of the things I read this week when we were talking about this idea and thinking about it is the idea of no, nobody in, in any society and especially in ours even plays this out. Nobody actually believes in neutrality. Our courts, for instance, like when somebody goes to court, there's only ever two outcomes. You're either guilty or not guilty. Right. What is the... Sort of guilty. <laughs> there, there isn't sort of guilty. There is mistrial, which what happens in that, in that, in that rare one-off situation? Well, the accused still goes free. So the outcome is the same. So that isn't neutral either. That is right. one side, and that's the prosecu- prosecution failed. There is no area that this does that this works out in in even in our society that neutral ever is a thing We're, you can't be neutral in anything you can't can't drive your car in neutral you can't like, you can't do anything in neutral. good point so i just wanted to point that out because i think i think one of the big lies that Christ, christians and i and i hear this all the time in our in our churches and i hear this when i'm having conversations with friends that are believers but maybe not so much not digging into their word as much as they maybe should be, if I I can say that, where they think what, like you're saying, Nate, where I don't want to, I don't want to push my morality on people. I just, I, I'm going to do me and they can do them. You know what I mean? I'm going to live my life and hopefully this will work itself out. Well, it doesn't because we've often said there's only two ways you can go in, in faith. You can go closer to Christ or you can go farther away from Christ. You right. can't stand still. There is no neutral yeah. in your in your faith walk, which also means there's no neutral in any of our relationships, in any of our friendships. We're always moving in a direction, either closer together, farther apart. And I just I think once we start grasping the, the lie that we've told ourselves that we can that we can coast, 
once we've uh, once we've basically acknowledged that, we can start to fight that because we aren't here to coast. We are here to make disciples, bringing people closer and closer to Christ likeness by the way we teach them to obey, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. So I think once the church gets this idea, we'll start seeing real things be done, basically. There's, um, so uh, there's this quote that I wanted to get to, um, and it's by Francis Schaeffer, who's one of our favorite guys to quote around here. Um, but uh, he, he says this, he says, there's a sad myth going around today, the myth of neutrality. According to this myth, the secular world gives every point of view an equal chance to be heard, and it works fairly well unless you're a Christian. <laughs> and and I think one of the things we want to point out as we talk about the n- myth of neutrality, and I, I do want to get back to what you're talking about in terms of the church, but you know, we, we live in a cultural climate right now that nobody wants to be offended, right? And so um, views get censored when uh, people don't want to be offended. But again, apply the myth of neutrality, apply the inescapable concept, and it's not whether or not we are going to offend people, but who are we willing to offend? And right now, where Christianity is is under attack, we're willing to offend Christians so that Christians cannot offend everyone else, right? And so there's, it's, you know, you, you don't have a right not to be offended because everybody is going to be offended about something. And so as, as the um, cultural narrative works itself out, um, the culture is deciding who gets to be offended, or who will be offended, and who gets to be saved from offense. And uh, and right now, again, inescapable concept. Somebody will. But I think one of the ways that this is kind of so so that's that that myth of neutrality, which I just don't think enough Christians spend time thinking about, talking about, working through mentally, talking about all that kind of stuff. But here's, here's an area where it kind of really the rubber meets the road in terms of um, Christians being affected by this lie. And that is we feel like there's an outside kind of evil world and there's the church. But when we go to our workplace, that's neutral, right? Again, so the myth of neutrality or the, the, the lie of neutrality has seeped its way into we, we don't think that. So when you go to work, there's no such thing as neutral. So either the world is influencing you or you are influencing the world. Either your Christianity is a light going into a dark area and overtaking it, or you're going into work and your light is being, as the Bible says, put underneath a bush and the darkness is what's reigning at your work. There's no such thing as neutrality. So when you go to your work and you say, well, I, I can't really, I have to be careful about the conversations I have. I, I can't really talk about Jesus there. It's, it's a workplace that doesn't allow that. That's not because it's a neutral place. It's because the kingdom of darkness is winning in your workplace because your Christian views are being uh, squashed. It's not whether, but which. Which morality is winning and at your workplace is the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. And we exactly we see and we see this played out every single time that a Christian that a Christian re- refuses to stay silent or sorry stays silent rather yep or you know in those situations and we we've talked about this before in those situations where you know somebody's selling chocolate bars at your work and those work and those chocolate bars go to support women's yep. women's choice yep or you know the Everybody wears purple on Tuesday because that's for support of transgenderism. 
we think, oh, those are neutral things because my workplace is neutral. It's not going to hurt anybody if I wear the purple shirt, but that's just you subscribing. That's just you softening and, and giving in and joining in on the kingdom of darkness, which is, which is sounds like a very harsh thing to say, yeah. but it isn't because we're <laughs> yeah. called to be different in the world. We're called to be light in a world of darkness. Right. We are supposed to shine different. When you think of what that, what, let's play that out for a second. What, when you a light is in darkness, what happens? It can't, it's obvious. It's plain. Everybody can see it. Yep. Right. Because darkness can't exist in light. So when you don't wear the purple shirt, you're, you're meant to stand out in those situations. That's right. You don't have to walk in there and say like, God hates whatever on your t-shirt. You know what I mean? Just don't wear the purple shirt. You're saying enough with, in that yep. situation, be, be ready to speak. And cause we believe you speaking is the main, yep. main work here, but nobody's saying you have to walk in and purposely get yourself fired. But you can you can walk in and just do those little things that we all we talk about all the time. Yep, we we've had um, uh, trick or treaters come to our door and and uh, while they're trick or treating, uh, collect money for UNICEF, and uh, uh, UNICEF uh, uh, funds a lot of their fundraising to uh, abortion uh, here in Canada. And uh, so it's interesting that we've had those conversations with. I'm, I'm sorry, we're not going to support that. And when when certain parents of friends come, they'll actually ask us. And we'll say, well, we don't support that because of our pro-life convictions. And so you can get into these conversations and it seems horrible. You're not, you're not giving your spare change to my child in a Halloween costume. No, because this, this isn't a neutral thing. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Chris, because, th- well, I, because this, this has implications that I, and this is one of the very few areas where you and I disagree on, but so <laughs> if neutrality is a myth, then w- why would we, if there's only such thing as, you know, uh, light and darkness, then why are Christians sending their children into the dark realm of public school to get educated? Because there's myth is a neutral is uh, neutrality is a myth. Therefore, uh, math class is not neutral. No, math, math class is, isn't neutral. Um, but I'll, I'll try to flip this back on yeah, you yeah, go for it. poorly That's probably because I feel like, I feel like the homeschool one is one that I'm I'm slowly losing, but I don't mean <laughs> to slowly lose it. Um, here here's here's my I don't I don't think we're I don't think there's ever a situation where Christianity should pull itself out of out of the culture. So yes, I understand we're we're sending blunt arrows as some people will say into, <laughs> into the culture, but. I think is the the post mill response to ed, educational failure is to get onto the PTA boards, become teachers ourselves, and can and be good parents at home to our to our children. Spend those times correcting all those things. The truth the truth is, I hear from a lot of a lot of people whose kids come home and say I, they talk to their friend about God today. They talk to their friend now. Are they having conversion conversations? I don't know, but I, all I'm saying is that it, there's. I fear, I fear for the world that has no Christians in the education system. Well, no, but so let me push back on that a little bit because I would just say, I don't fear for the world because what will happen is the public school system will crumble. Just like the LGBT, um, you know, the, uh, um, the um, drag queens who are getting uh, excommunicated from, from the uh, pride parade uh, because they're offending trans individuals. 
um, the public school system will eat itself. They'll 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 destroy uh, itself. And and what so what do I want to happen? I want Christians to be so good at Christian education that the pagans start coming and knocking on our door saying, "Can we send our kids to your Christian school?" Yeah, and we, we say, "Yep, absolutely." We, They're now, learning a Christian worldview. Exactly. Here. And I want to point out that that's we both agree on yeah, what yeah. the right way of. Because uh, like, I that the best the the best option is good it, it, Christian exactly education. if the church yeah. and I, I always say the church needs to be the ones doing it. if the yeah. church was properly educating our children and I mean that like in English and in math and uh, yeah, yeah. in history if if the church was doing those things we wouldn't need public education we wouldn't need homeschool what I when I when I argue for the education system I argue for it because I I don't I don't. The, the current system that's in place, well, not perfect, well, totally depraved, so, yep. so to speak, is still the system that's in place. And right. It's still a system that I, I don't believe is beyond redemption. It's right. I know I have, well, my brother-in-law is a teacher who I, is a, who's a Christian man. Yep. My father-in-law was a principal. He's a Christian man. I have friends who are teachers who are all Christians who I know lead Bible studies at their school or have led Bible studies yeah, at their Christian schools. groups and all that kind of stuff. I, I became a Christian through my high school, having a Bible study. And when I left my, my high school, there was hundreds of people that profess faith in Christ all through one man, two men's ministries in my school. So I, I all, all I say is I'm not saying that's norm. I'm not saying yeah, that's yeah, normal. Yeah. All I'm saying is it's not the public school system isn't beyond redemption. Well, I think what you're saying is that your experiences are informing your theology. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> no, no, you're no, I'm just kidding. Me. No, 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 I think that's a good response. But I think I, I just say this because this what this isn't a a homeschool versus public school uh, episode. But I just bring that up. We because, need to do that again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but these are the kinds of these are the kinds of things that the lie of neutrality should cause us to have conversations about, right? We should be talking about okay, if if neutrality is a myth, then what do we do with public school? What do we do with our workplaces? What do we do with our neighborhoods? What do we do with these places? What do we do in these conversations but we where we're pull, accused? But we don't pull ourselves out of work. Like, I'm not going to quit my job because my, my workplace is, a, is currently a kingdom of darkness. No, I'm no. not going to stop going there because I want the light in that place. Right. But what you're going to do is you're going to work for the transformation of that workplace, right? And you're going you're gonna to work for... So I, I agree with you there, but you're not a child no but i but i <laughs> right but you're you're you are a fully not fully but you are a <laughs> you are a discipled man right who is a weapon forged against the enemy i think people just really want to see an episode where we disagree <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah. no i i just i just think i think the emphasis now i you put me on the spot so now it's my yeah, turn uh, i think the emphasis too often gets placed on the child and not on the parent Whereas I think parents have a lot more to say. They can be going and talking to the teachers. They can be on the PTA boards. The problem is that parents think they're neutral against the school system when they're not. Right. There, there is no, there is, there is absolutely no backlash in. I can't speak for all provinces and I can't speak for the states, but in Ontario, there is no backlash for for a parent saying I don't want my my kid in that class and can be pulled out of that class. Or for even for kids not doing schoolwork if they don't if they don't agree yeah. with it, you yet. can't actually be hit yet. Yet, yeah. but we're the, 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 you're the the post mill, right? You're saying it's you're you're assuming an, an end game of, of negativity there that I'm not. So no, no, no. <laughs> my my end game is Christian education um, and the culture of life that's cultivated there dwarfs the culture of death in the public school system that's been to uh, which we agree. So. Yeah. Um, that was but, a fun uh, five minutes of yeah, us yeah. arguing. Yeah, yeah, but no, I, and I think that this is, but these are the sorts of implications that the um, the 
discovery that you've bought into live neutrality should cause you to have. And so if you're listening to us, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, we're not advocating, well, we're obviously advocating for different <laughs> uh, solutions to the education problem. But the point is, there's no such thing as neutrality. And so you have to recognize that whether you're going to send your child into the public school system, or you're going to, you know, go into the workforce yourself, mm-hmm. you are not going into neutral territory, you're never going into neutral territory, there's no such thing as neutral territory. So in every avenue you either have to have a mindset of conquer or you have to have a mindset of retreat and counterattack right and so all this is is chris and i are disagreeing on whether or not public education is a place of conquer or a place of retreat and counterattack yeah we're arguing tactics yeah we're arguing tactics but the so but the point here is is that um if we stop buying into the the myth of neutrality then then we can start to and and honestly one of the most useful things in any conversation think of this question it's not whether but which Every conversation that you have, it's not whether, but which. So it's not a a matter of whether or not your views are offending somebody. It's which view is being allowed to offend somebody. It's not whether or not we're going to impose a morality. It's which morality is already being imposed. It's not whether or not God is brought into this conversation. It's which God is being worshipped in this conversation. So it's not whether, but which. There's no such thing as neutrality. And uh, for for, honestly, for a book on this, one of the um, uh, things that I would, uh, one of the books I would recommend is, is called Theocracy, an Inescapable Concept by R.J. Rush Dooney, I think is a, a phenomenal book on this topic. Um, there's also the book that we've referenced many times, Rules for Reformers by Doug Wilson, uh, where he talks about the, these kind of tactical uh, things as Christians. But uh, those are just a couple of, uh, of um, references, a couple of uh, resources to put in people's hands. Anything else you wanted to say on this topic before we sign off? Yeah, I just, I, I just I've always been... Whenever we've thought about this topic of you're either with me or against me, there's a quote. It's actually, ironically, friend of the show, Joe Boot, yep. that, that wrote it. Um, and he basically says, when you're, when you're breaking down the, this, the idea of the kingdoms, there's a, you have, as a Christian, you have to think of it this way. There's either an absolute personal God who governs all things and surrounds man in an ultimate environment, or there isn't. And so you're either with God or you're not with God. And there is no, there is no halfway house of being sort of with him. Right. You're either with him or you're totally against him because there is not, there is no, there is no category in our faith. There's no category in the world for somebody who is sort of an enemy of God or sort of pro God. There is no gray area. There's either against or for. That's good. And uh, since Joe Boot often says things better than we can, best to just leave it in his mouth. <laughs> so there you go. Thanks, Boot, for helping us uh, wrap up the episode. And uh, We'll call this one the one where Pootie and Nate fight. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. I, I feel like people are going to enjoy hearing us disagree. It never happens. So. It doesn't happen very often. So anyway, thanks again for joining us. Uh, make sure that you find us on social media. Uh, head to our website at rebelalliancemedia.com, uh, especially since, uh, you know, Facebook is likely to shut us down pretty close because there's no such thing as neutrality and Facebook isn't <laughs> neutral. So uh, make sure you have our website booked, uh, bookmarked, but uh, rate us on whatever podcast catcher you have. Uh, share us with a friend either verbally or uh, or share our episode onto their uh, thing invite them to like our page you're helping us expand you're helping uh, spread the gospel message and we so appreciate that yeah we we want you to share it too not just for personal we want to see if facebook will ban us 
So yeah, just keep yeah. sharing keep it. Going. Keep going. Because we want to see how far they will they will go in their attempt to plead neutrality, but to really suppress the truth. Yeah. Come at us, Zuckerberg. <laughs> you just called that Zuckerberg. <laughs> All right. See you next time. Thanks for joining the rebellion. Cheers.